Hi, I'm Jen Schwartz. This is Think Fit, Be Fit. This podcast is all about not just doing fitness, but being fit. Thanks for tuning in to another Lab of Us episode on Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. It's the 10th installment that blends professional experience, client guidance, and a shared love for fine-tuned fitness. For those that don't know me, my name is Jen Schwartz. My mission is to help people realize their strongest body with intelligent science-based and honest advice about exercise science and the physiology of the human body. My hypothesis is that if you know more about the thing you are trying to change, the more successful you will, will be overall. This episode will be especially meaningful to you if you are in need of injury recovery advice and how implementing strength training uh, as a way to manage old injuries. So if that's a big continuum of uh, people out there. So um, if you're looking for strength training advice after your doctor has cleared you for exercise, this will be a good episode. You'll this will be meaningful to you if you need some really good warm-up tips. Um, the stuff that we are talking about combines high-level lateral thinking and neurological training stimulus. Don't worry, we build up to that and it's towards the end, but it's um, it's some pretty cool stuff that uh, AJ is really good at. Um, he articulates pretty in-depth and then... If uh, you just enjoy two passionate believers and practitioners of the human body's innate capacity to rebound and get strong. So that's what you'll find in this episode. Because my guest with me is a wonderful friend and colleague. He's uh, someone I've known for 10 years and we are studying alongside one another in the Elite Muscle Activation Techniques RX Full Body Program. His name is AJ Rajbajan, um, and he is a master MAT specialist and RX hand and foot specialist like myself from Bellevue, Washington. He's a licensed licensed athletic trainer and a major renaissance man when it comes to combat sports and combat sports conditioning and reconditioning. He's worked with like some crazy elite fighters, and he honestly... Um, I think he may be my in for Joe Rogan, so just putting it out there. Uh, well, he's definitely a resource for other things as well. Um, many things concerning athletic development and recovery. He's even building out his own recovery center. Uh, check him out at www.thebodymechanicmat.com. His Instagram handle is the body mechanic, and he. Um, he, the show notes will include some links to get a hold of him. Pretty interesting guy. Let me know if you like to hear more episodes like this one. Um, and also, I want to say, like, I'm super grateful that he was willing to sit down with me and pop his cherry on podcast because I think he's uh, a pretty great wealth of knowledge. Um, so if you want to hear more like this one, let me know. Or if you have questions that you think I would be a good resource for, let me know. You can hashtag ask thinkfitbefit or ask T-A-T-F-B-F on Instagram 
or come at me on Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness and I will look out for you. Also, um, check out my Movement Pathways uh, course for beating chronic injury and bad exercise. That is in the show notes. We are going to do some great things in that course and teach you all about how to be in control of your training despite having old injuries and having them hold you back from doing what you love and moving how you how you choose. So I look forward to hearing from you and please enjoy the episode. Hello, podcast listeners. Uh, welcome to another episode of Think Fit, Be Fit. I have one of my super special friends with me today. Uh, doesn't it sound like story time? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we are talking about a concept that I covered a few weeks ago called me-search, which is not quite research. It's me-search, M-E-search. And why I brought that up in a previous podcast is because listeners uh, that want to think fit, be fit, have uh, the desire to know more about their body, but they just don't understand, like, the science behind it. And we know you don't have a couple years of time, like, a couple years to study five hours a day of anatomy, biomechanics, exercise, phys, rehab, uh, biochem. And that's just to get a handle on it. Yeah, and, like... We know you don't have that time to um, understand those concepts and use them, and but we do know that if you can um, start just like applying a little bit of knowledge and a scientific-based, like critical thinking process to your training, you're going to do amazing things. And because the truth is like, 99% of people out there exercising um, in the $30 billion market, that is the U.S. fitness market, um, are, are just pretty much clocking in and clocking out and wasting their time. If you're here, if you're listening to this, you want more, you want a process base, and you don't want to end up like your parents, taking pills and worrying about your Foot going into your leg going into your pants and bending over, right? Or gardening, or walking on ice. Yeah, trying to know? pick something up off the ground. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I don't, you know, yeah, and I don't want to see my brain wasting away with dementia. Like, yeah. uh, so you're here because of that, and so you're, you know, I I'm here lending you my brain, and I've brought another brain on the podcast. His name is AJ. We did a 20 questions. It was pretty amazing. Um, and me search back to that. So me search. Um, my hypothesis is that you can elevate your body's performance by doing the right me search, understanding the variables of that like contribute to your success or your failure. You're exploring curiosity, believing in your body, and trusting it. And by doing those things, you're gonna unlock strength and flexibility and resilience that you didn't know was possible. Um, I know that most people in the world do not know how good their body is designed to feel. One of the big steps you can take 
And this is not like a two-day process. This is a month-long, years-long process to have a good cycle of me search, right? Lifelong. Lifelong, yeah. So if we talk about one cycle of me search, like one cycle of finding the right variable to measure, the data points to come back to, and not have a a subjective uh, outcome-based goal. You know what I mean? Like, you're in it to improve. You're in it to learn. That is a training process. So basically, we're just going to rehash this in a lab of us and talk about how we use this concept in our coaching, in our healing modality, right, like muscle activation techniques, um, and getting people out of chronic injury cycles in bad exercise. So um, so last time, so AJ's here. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> um, we both are, like, living and breathing muscle activation techniques and helping people build resiliency in their body, right? Yeah. So what I proposed on the – one of the previous episodes about this was that they got to find a variable and that can be as simple as a squat. It can be as, uh, as new and exciting as HRV heart rate variability, Omega wave, or it can be as complicated as using someone like us and blood testing, like muscle testing and blood testing. And, um, so in that podcast, uh, the lab of me, I just talked about like the training process, that I'm going through right now. And so my goal right now um, is a 200-pound back squat. And for the listeners not done biomechanics, AJ, can you tell them a little bit about, like, my the fact that I have super long femurs? And, okay, so here are my obstacles. Here are my physical obstacles. My super long femurs to short torso, okay, Um and small and very short tibias. <laughs> um, so I don't have a lot of depth. It ain't happening. And the other big problem that I fa- the big obstacle that I face is both my ACLs are torn. Yeah. And the right knee has bone spurs and arthritis and whatnot. So what I said on that previous podcast was basically if a doctor looked at my x-rays, he would not approve of me doing most of the stuff that I do to improve my body. Yeah. But I don't live in those constraints. Right. So I have to find these measures that I come back to. I happen to have software that really helps me monitor this high risk movement for me, which is a squat, a back squat particularly. All right. So I'm kind of done talking about my metric. I've already spent 30 minutes doing that. So do you have a reliable data point for you yourself? Uh, Yeah, I got a couple. Okay. Um, so I picked up juggling, and I'm not amazing at it or anything, uh, but what I found is that when I'm having a rough day, mm-hmm. I can't quite track things the same way. Um, and when I'm having Track, a, meaning your eyes and yeah, the hand-eye hand coordination. Yeah, my hand-eye coordination goes a little funky. If I'm hungover, it's rough. Mm-hmm. So I can use it, and it's a very uh, – it's a simple program to run with your brain if you're just kind of going. Um, but if you – have a variable like a ton of inflammation, or if your body's not quite right physically, uh, like your balance is off because your knee hurts, 
I've got mm. a, oh, a whole okay. host of yeah. injuries. Yeah. So some days I can't quite manage, like I can't circle my left arm in fast enough to do this one trick, or I can't turn it the other way, or I can't uh, keep my hands overhand versus underhand when I'm doing it. And I found like after I get treated or after I've done something really beneficial for myself, those skill sets come back with greater ease. Um, so it's a, it's pretty cool. I'm also trying to use it um, to do concussion assessments on mm. uh, fighters or, or anyone who knows how to juggle. I use it as part of my, my assessment. There's, yeah, there's some, well, so you're, no, nobody knows this. You're an athletic trainer. Yes. Like you have the uh, freedom and the license to assess such things as the vestibular system yeah. after a concussion. Yeah. People don't know that that's a thing mm -hmm. like that. So we were one of like the five, there were only five professionals that could do it. And we were one of them. Yeah, no, that's Yeah. And people don't know. I mean, it can, um, that itself could really help people, um, come back better, like fully so much. And that's it. what prevents the brain injury. Yeah. Right. Like essentially yeah. like not getting another one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like a knock is like, pretty much going to happen if you're playing certain sports. Yeah. And you but, can tell if it's going to screw you up or not yeah. by whether or not you can coordinate something simple and uh, in a parasympathetic state when the machinery is not being run at high pressure. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, so I think the interesting point here is that most of us learn this stuff if we've fully recovered from an injury. Yeah. You yeah. learn to not be pros outcome based. Yeah. You learn to that success is not linear. No. Oh, right. I wish it was. Injury, <laughs> it's it's just not. You yeah. know, and like if you've had two or more injuries uh, that have kept you out for more than three weeks. Oh yeah. This is this is this is going to happen. So even if like you're 22 and listen to this, yeah. and you've had a couple injuries in your high school career or whatever. Um, this is like uh, you have to kind of look at your body as that injury pattern is still in there, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the, the point of that was if you've had some type of success with injury rehab and injury recovery, um, you understand that you need an N of one approach and variables to compare to. So I love that. Do you have another one? Uh, I got one piece of advice for anyone who's overcoming an injury. Okay. Um, just remember that post-injury depression is real. And it's an actual chemical change, I think, due to a massive inflammatory response that's bogging your system down so you feel like shit. Yeah. Just realize that's what it is and move through it. Do the things that are good for you anyway and in spite of that so that you can be successful. Mm -hmm. So harden your, hard, harden your mind, harden your will to the post-injury depression because that's a very real thing, and people don't give it enough credit. It screws you up. Yeah. I mean, and then adding in any pharmaceuticals that might have been involved with that and, like, yeah. and, and further yeah. changing the brain chemistry and the neurotransmitters, like, I'm definitely not an expert in any of that. But Painkillers fuck you up. Yeah, they really do from, like, the bottom up yeah. and the top down. Like, CBD and, and, like, THC, that kind of stuff, that's – Honestly, yeah. probably your best bet for rehab if you need a painkiller of sorts. Um. Okay. So. It, okay. So. Um. What about with? I know you work with high school athletes. 
Used to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still have okay. some as clients. Do you have – because I think if, like, my, in my experience, like, the concepts that I teach them in the most simple way can actually be applied to the more complicated cases. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's kind of remove ourselves from the complicated people okay. and uh, think creatively a little bit. And, like, what do you use in – what would you use and what did you use in the training environment for the high schoolers um, who are not necessarily needy in the way that, like, you are coming back from a, a something more catastrophic? Yeah. Like, they're just trying to improve, um, you know? So it starts – it all starts at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I coached high school wrestling for seven years. Um, I saw a lot of really interesting situations. But the the two things that I always tried to get kids to do that made the biggest difference in all of their performance was eat right. Mm-hmm. Fuel your body the way you need to fuel. Don't put poison into your system, especially when you're in a high-strain situation like mm-hmm. a sport. Um, and get lots of sleep. Like – those two things are key. Did you have a way to show them that they were improving? Uh, n- no. Besides, like, the numbers. So I mean, yes I know sports no. is a great place to learn this. They, they would. I would show their improvement every, like, three weeks. I'd remind them that three weeks ago they couldn't do this many of that thing. Um, and it was the grind. They learned how to grind. They, create, they created their own mental toughness. One of my favorite stories is uh, a young gal, and she was – skinny and underdeveloped uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. And she was very much the same or very similar at the end, but she was so much stronger than when she started. She might not have been at a top tier athletic level, but this girl couldn't climb a rope when the thing started. And by the end she could do multiple climb ups and downs. Even if she wasn't as big and strong as some of the gals she wrestled, it was like, there's your improvement. You worked for it. You earned it. Um, I guess the biggest thing that I could give them was, uh, or say to them is that, Work ethic is an asset, and mm-hmm. you have to build it. You have to learn how to have a work ethic, and then you have to use it and hone that as a craft. Um, then, like, the the if they have that work ethic, then they, like, are, are like, the kind of naturally building the skill that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they start to see what it takes uh, to, to maintain all that and get better. Yeah. So, Oof. Yeah. They gave them, like, nutrition packets. They had to take tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. They they almost didn't like it, but they all saw results, so they ended up loving it. So they did. They did a they did a questionnaire before. Uh, no, they had a packet to read. Packet. And okay. if they didn't read it. They did a lot of laps. And yeah. They hated laps, so okay. they read the packet. Yeah. So they read the packet. <laughs> yeah, and then they took a test, and yeah. it was ungraded. I didn't I didn't knock you for not knowing. It was uh, we would take the test, and then we would discuss it as a group, so people could ask questions about the pertinent points, um, and clarify it in case they had questions, and it was and no one did extra laps. Then how do we test ourselves, like, the struggle of that and, like, learning that, like, and being part of um, controlling your own variables and contributing to a group success? What, you know, what happens to people if they don't have that experience, you know what I mean? And, like, how do we teach adults that they they might be able to do that in one area of their life, yeah. whether it be, like, I don't know, like their credit score or like their job or um, I think financials and like exercise have so many like (laughs) crossovers. Yeah, they're both investments. So you're saying what piece of advice would you give an adult to do that? Um, Yeah, how do adults test themselves without 
um, being complete savages and idiots. I would say see if you can do one positive thing for yourself every single day Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't going to hurt you long term or couldn't possibly do anything but good for yourself. Like walking, getting up and saying, before I... Uh, before I start my day, I'm going to take five minutes and sit on the couch and think about all the positive things I'm going to do today. Mm. It doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. except for five minutes of time. It sets your mind up for the rest of the day. Uh, you think about your work. You think about how you're going to handle stress. And you you premeditate a positive day so that you have a better opportunity to capitalize on opportunities to be positive throughout the day. Mm. And you tilt your mind towards good and happiness. And eventually it just becomes a mindset. I like tilt your mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, because... We can roll downhill if you tilt it wrong. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. You want yes. to be on the positive side. Yes. Tilt the positive. Nice. Um. Okay, so what about... Okay, so tell me about your typical, like, adult client that's... um That even if they're, like, still in mixed martial arts, they're, like, a professional by day? Yeah, I got a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. so... Or, like, do you work with the general population? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, plenty of those. Yeah. Okay. So, um, do you have people that you, like, they are professionals by day, but have been able to break out of a cycle of, and be able to actually, like, be autonomous and take care of themselves? Uh, yeah, and I don't see them anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, the one that's the most pertinent, actually, she came up through me learning all of MAT. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. I went yeah. to college with her, and then I met up with her two years after I graduated. I was through the specialist uh, internship. I had taken a couple master's classes and was working with her, and she had one entire side of her erector spinae that were pretty much not there. She had the tissue present, but in terms of North, like, yeah. growth, there was, there was one back strap. She couldn't sit for more than 10 minutes. She couldn't stand. She was a PE teacher, and she was in agony all day, every day. It was crazy. And so over the course of, like, two and a half years, uh, we literally put muscle mass on those back straps. We uh, were able to give her a series of exercises that she could use to maintain herself. Mm -hmm. I saw her solid for a year and a half, Mm -hmm. uh, once a week, every week. Um, Sometimes twice when it got really bad, because she was also doing judo. Like, once she got mobile, she was young. We just kind of do dumb things when you're young, I guess. But she was doing judo the whole time and trying to teach and running a club. So I saw her consistently until her body was able to adapt to those stressors as not being negative stressors. Mm, And suddenly they were positive stressors for her. So I got to help her adapt. And that's freaking cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I I just want to help people, like, see – that pain, tightness can just be feedback and not, like, a completely negative yeah. experience. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that it's way. Like your body telling and like, you to change something. But, you, like, listeners, um, lollipop people, uh, we, like, him and I collectively, like, have been in pain and, like, have had to make moment-to-moment decisions about our exercise, Right. And about, like, the steps that we're taking, even, like, you know, take that back, you know, when, when you're, like, really hurting, right? Yeah. You're, like, don't, like, pain. Changes your brain. Yeah. Well, structurally, yes, it does. Yeah, and yeah. so does exercise. It's horrible. In the same place. Yeah. It, you're right. 
um, tilting again, yeah. right? So um, if your, you know, your body, like when you're in pain at the moment and in exercise and like the endorphins aren't helping you, right? Um, meaning like providing some anagelic effect, like your um, your body's literally scared to take the next step. Yeah, and we know that. Yeah, like I'm not. We're not downplaying this. Like you've ever tried to achieve end range and you're just looking at it, going like, I don't want to go there because it's gonna hurt, and you gotta yeah. talk yourself into it. And mm-hmm. it's surprising when it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it freaks you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shit's horrible. So yeah, and but like, do you have any hypothesis on how people can uh, take the pain and the chronic tightness and the moment-to-moment awful, like, fear and change that into feedback? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think so. In, in terms of, like, external factors, I think that uh, my theory is that acupuncture stimulates parasympathetic pathways along the same neural network and the same neural pathways that injuries can be stored on uh, emotionally and, like, neurologically. And so it runs that component of the nervous system in a, again, in a parasympathetic versus sympathetic state, dewiring uh, a sympathetic fear response to the firing of that particular set of neurons so that over time you can use that to, to run that part of your system without wiring it automatically to fear and pain. And then when you start going, okay, well, I can do that, and then trying to contract or use that joint or that area on purpose, and then you know, saying, hold on, this might not hurt, not it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. So as long as you get to the point where you can say this might not hurt, that gives you incentive to keep pushing. And that's, uh, that can be learned. You just have to understand that it's a thing. So I try to teach people that when I'm working with them and when it hurts, I'm like, okay, now back off until it's just at the edge of it and play here Mm -hmm. and tomorrow or the day after it'll go a little bit further and you can edge the pain and the function and the strength. And it's just, it's time and work. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, yeah, you have to have the courage to face that edge. Right. And look over it a little bit. Yeah. And, Get back on and, the horse. And, and yeah. And like yeah. nudge it. Yeah. So yeah, even, um, and again, like guys, this is not like, we're not doctors. Like he's a athletic trainer, which is in, um, is considered like a kind of a first responder medical professional. Or a medical professional. Yeah, I am not. So um, <laughs> uh, he's telling you that from the experience of seeing uh, a first responder um, environment, right? Like when the nervous system and the immune system respond to an injury is very different than the way that it responds to an injury six weeks from that day and from that trauma. So, um, and it's not all the same. Like this isn't a black or white and it's not linear. Um, It's like a smorgasbord of symptoms and every person chooses a slightly different variation. Um, I got, I think I I got one more topic. I think that's going to kind of put the icing on the cake here. Uh, Using, teaching people to use range of motion as a guideline for their training. So what do you use? Shoulders, hips, uh, neck, trunk, spine, hip, bicep. What do you mean, like a pre-workout assessment? Pre-workout assessment. I call it finding your safe zone. Uh, your power band. That's power a, band. Yeah. Okay. I, I call it that. Yeah, well, uh, define yours. 
So, I mean, okay, so the safe zone is a great way of looking at it when you're going, like, I'm going to open my body up to some ranges. Uh, I tend to use workouts, but they're not workouts. They're warm-ups or movement sequences. That safe are, zone works for machines. Absolutely. So absolutely. you can, you know, look at your, you know, your shoulder overhead yeah. range of motion. And if your right doesn't go as far as your left, you follow the one that doesn't go as far. Right. Right. So, right, right. like, it works really well if you're in a machine environment. Yeah. But not necessarily maybe a sports environment. Or I mean, even with, like, a lift. There's certain yeah, lifts lift, where I'm like, yeah. can you contract the whole time up and down? Perfect. Yeah, that's yes. a power band. You should yes. be there. Uh, so, like, stay here. Mm-hmm. Because if you drop it, everything shuts off, and now you're now you're compensating around a force in an inappropriate fashion. Yeah, talk through that, like, what kind of cueing you would use for, like, a is a deadlift appropriate? I use or a, a hip squat. Hinge. A, a squat. Okay, a squat's one. great. I mean, so let's say you got a back squat, right? Okay. So you're doing a back squat, and the first thing I try to tell someone to do is, first, I'd make them do a body weight squat, imagining there's a bar there, or like a, well, first, first, I, I, I start moving them around and doing very slow XL, D-cell motions, um, like uber, uber slow, like you're watching one of those weird dance things, and they have to like quarter mile an hour, put their foot down, pick it up. And shift weight so their nervous system is functioning to balance their skeleton across some dynamics, but the dynamics are so slow that it's it's an easy catch-up for the brain. Um, once that happens and the loads are being distributed pretty evenly or evenly across the lower body and the back and the shoulders and all that, um, then I'll move into, okay, let's go to your squatting motion. Now, here's your squat. All right, do your squat without, without a weight. Mm-hmm. Do your squat with the bar on your back. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like a PVC pipe at first, can you achieve perfect load with no load? Mm-hmm. Can you load your tissues the way you want to load them with a bar on your back yeah. without feedback? Yeah. Which yeah. means now you're activating both parts of the system. Then you slowly build feedback via the weight. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and at that point, you see where they start to fail, and you show them. You can either have them you videotape them if you need to see it, or videotape you know, is. Yeah, 100%. So easy. Very easy, Yeah. very easy. But then they start to see it, and once they see it is when progress happens. Because then when they do it on their own, they don't have someone going, like, squeeze this, push here. I'm like, what did this part feel like? Remember this? You remember this. Um, or I'll play with vectors uh, like like of load um, to see if I can get them to understand where their load is collapsing mm-hmm. because they've only ever loaded it in that inappropriate and collapsed format. So then if you change the vector, it's a, it's like a hack. Like, how do I create an automatic response with that basic set of tissues because the load format changed, and now you have to compensate in the appropriate way? So does that make sense? I know. It's, it's great. It's brilliant. I mean, you know, I think, like, the perfect way to close this out is to – because I think that was very useful. I mean, essentially, you should – have the similar cues as you would loaded and unloaded. Yeah. Right. Um, perfect way to close this out. Um, building that type of conversation and intra exercise cueing is a skill. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think one of the main variables that could contribute to that is taking, having just even a little bit of anatomy. I almost said analogy. Oh, yeah. I got you. <laughs> um, anatomy. Analogy. Yeah. Like, if you can take a skeleton model and show kind of what the hip is doing, uh-huh. I mean, there's so many iPad, 
like oh, yeah. and like schematics. Yeah. Yeah. It's like wonderful ways of just showing somebody what a squat looks like with a skeleton. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for them to do one of those anatomy apps, but you can move the skeleton and the muscles will move accordingly. Like where they actually map mm. what the muscles are going to contract and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that that's in that's. Oh, well, no, I take that back. I, I want to give credit to medical schools, but I have no idea. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, so I will say this. Uh, the This is not something that all people have. Like, I think my colleagues and I and really good trainers and really good therapists have a kinesthetic awareness that isn't, I don't know, it's not, it's not everybody doesn't have it. Yeah. Or maybe if they did have it, they lost it somewhere um, <laughs> along this modern uh, era of, you know. I mean, or they're just way better at other stuff than I am, yeah. um, which is definitely the, the answer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, just be gentle with yourself here. Like, yeah. Be your buddy. Yeah, be – yeah. So when – like, let's say your data point is a squat. And you yeah. go back to that data point every time you do uh, um, lower body exercise in a workout um, or you're preparing for your game or your match or your fight. And if it doesn't go well, if it doesn't go as predicted, one, you have to kind of forgive yourself and, like, move on to just being – Tactical yeah. and strategic. Yeah, move forward. Change yeah, tactics. Yeah, change yeah. tactics. Don't give up. Yeah, and um, I guess I hate the you know this is where the plug comes because that's essentially what I'm I want to teach people Good. through like my online course. Yeah, is show them that th- this is a literacy. This is a language. Yeah, I mean we're not talking about French, but we're talking like learning a, a brand new language. But you learning how to communicate with your body is a skill. Yeah. And, yeah, so if you are ready for that, because not everybody's ready, um, go to the link for Movement Pathways. And I named it such because Pathway, um, it's it's kind of like a hike, like a trail. It's there, but you have to look for it, you know, and you have to take the opportunities to make exercise work for you and not against you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's that's really what it's all about. Do you you endorse this program? I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, Thanks and I'll see you on. on the winter webs. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes. It's, it's been a great MATRX weekend. Um, yeah. yeah. And one of these days, I'll I don't talk about MAT on this podcast at all. Oh, you totally should. I know. Yeah. It's good but stuff. it's easier to talk. I can't talk about. <laughs> it to I I, I when you. I talk to myself with my glass of wine <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah. it goes yeah I got I got to stick yeah. to the bullet points I feel I feel bad for my fiance yeah. I, I talk at her I think some nights and she just kind of smiles and nods uh, I got yeah you. my boy yeah I yeah. don't I don't talk about work with my boyfriend <laughs> um anyhow Perfect. all right signing off bye Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and comment, like, dislike. Just give me some feedback on Facebook and Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness.
waved. <laughs> For the record, he waved. Yeah, I did. 